Man, I love it how um, God pulls these things together. So um, Nick spoke about recalibration, recentering. Chris emphasized it, and that's what I'm more or less like um, sharing today. <laughs> so some of you might be like, yeah, but it's a Christian cliche. Surely three um, people could have come up with it. But no, it's not like that. There was no, no coordination, no nothing between us. And sometimes the supernatural is um, right there in front of us and we just have to acknowledge it. Like the supernatural part is almost in the acknowledging like that that was something that um, God did. We can pretend like it's coincidence. We can pretend all sorts of things. Our minds can do all sorts of things. But three strikes, that's enough for me. <clears throat> so um, today I'm in part, um, I'm carrying on. So we've been running through Matthew. And I'm talking about Matthew um, 12, 15 to 42. And, but it's part that, but it's also... We went to this conference the other week, the National Vineyard um, Conference, and it was um, really great. <laughs> it was so refreshing. It was so um, awesome. So it's part like feedback on that as well. Yeah, so, and, and the message is like, yeah, recalibrating, recentering, getting. Jesus back to being the center of it. He's gentle and walks with us through it all. Let's make the center the focus again. Put aside the things we put in his place. The good things, but not the thing. Let's not be distracted by all the noise. Let's sit down with Jesus again. Jesus is calling us back to his first love, which can be um, such a flippant thing to say. I mean, how many times have we heard that? If you've been in church your whole life, you've heard it a lot. But it's not flippant, it's essential. It's why we're here. It's everything. Everything is in the person of Jesus. It's Jesus' constant call to the church, to his bride. It's a constant call. And it's not to make us feel bad. I mean, look around at all the people around it. We all get we all get distracted. Look at the stories in the Bible. It's a it's packed with people getting distracted by the things around them and not focusing on the main thing. Let's strip it all away again. Let's bring our real selves into this building today. Let's get real. Let's get honest. 
Strip away the facades that we put up in front that separate us from each other and from God. These are not easy things, but it's what's on my heart. I really feel that today. Jesus, break the chains that bind us, all that hinders us, all that stands in the way of us becoming our true selves, heirs of your kingdom, children of the Most High. I have faith this morning that God can move amongst us, healing, correcting, cajoling, laughing, doing all those things that Jesus can do. He wants us to remember the authority that he's given us. We are heirs. We are sons and daughters. We don't have to strive. We don't have to pretend. We can be real with him and with each other. <laughs> I mean, I'm just a mess, like most of the time. Like, I'm a complete um, you know, I know lots of you aren't like that. You're awesome individuals, fully together, never lose your cool, never say things to people that you shouldn't, um, never get so wild with like what you perceive as injustice that you say stupid things to people that you regret for like the next month afterwards and relive that moment, that don't say rude things to your wives, that... Um, are out of line, that don't blow their stack with their kids. Some of you might be like that, but I'm not like that. But I am an heir. I am a child of God. And that's the miracle of it. I can speak life into those around me. I can take that moment to be that person at work to give encouragement when everybody's like rejected them because I've done something really dumb. I can be that compassion where it's needed. And it's not, um, that's being supernatural. Like, to go back to a vineyard cliche, like, that's being naturally supernatural. Like, sometimes with prophecy and words and stuff, we pack all this mystery around it. But how many times have you been at work or wherever you are, and you see somebody or something and you just think, oh, man, I should encourage them right now? Because it's quite a, it's a human thing to do, Right? The supernatural thing is listening and doing it and speaking out that truth that Jesus wants to speak out at that moment. Looking into people and calling out who they're supposed to be. Sometimes it get and the more we practice that, I'm sure there's way more levels out there and we know people that can, you know, like prophesy and that sort of thing. But it starts there. 
And, and what better place to start doing that than right here? All the time, we need to be lifting each other up and encouraging each other. It's like, I'm getting way off track now, but this has been like my thing for a while now and I haven't been able to put my like finger on it. But like... Um, There is a gift of encouragement. And like, I want to start walking in that so much more. And we can walk in that as a body, constantly. How many, do we need more negative voices in our lives? We've got enough of them already. They're inside our head. I'm the worst at saying negative things about myself more than anybody else I don't need more negative voices. I need more positive voices. And it's not just, it's not um, pretending to be happy or whatever. It's not putting on like um, a falsehood and um, being all happy and bubbly and bubbling around. Like I'm a a miserable person most of the time. (laughs) But then when, sometimes when I'm at church, I just get overwhelmed by the desire to encourage somebody. And I can just step out and do that. And that's what was so great about conference for me. It was like, there's some really precious things about the vineyard movement that are so easy to lose sight of. And one of them is being authentic. Not, um, not authentic in the way that the vineyard's always been up till this time, but authentic to the people that you have in your flock at this moment in time. And that can change. Like, it's not a static thing. That's one beautiful thing that came out of conference. Being authentic. Being yourself. Being, um, putting Jesus at the center again. Making it about him. Everything that we do on a Sunday morning should be orientated towards giving glory to Jesus. And it's so easy for so many things to... uh, come in and they're great things, great programs, great ideas, great little funny things that we do and all that. But in the end of the day, they need to be orientated towards the center, towards Jesus. And the other awesome thing that came out of conference was, and again, like those that have been around in Vineyard for ages, You might hear this and just think, oh, that's such a cliche. But when you strip away the kind of crap that we've built around it, they are still essential and really important. And the other, so the other one is, and you would have heard it so many times, is we all get to play. Stupid hat. (laughs) We all get to play. This is not me up here and you out there, 
or whoever's standing up here, like worship leaders and you guys, it's not about this area up here. Vineyard's never been about that. It's about everybody getting to play, everybody getting to move in the supernatural. We've all been given those gifts and they're there for us. Because our father's a good father. He's not like, yeah, I'm going to give most of the gift to this guy. Although I'm not saying there's not special anointings on people. And I'm going to give all the gift of hospitality to that person. And then the rest of you just get to sit in the pew and like soak it up. It's not how it works. We're all part of the royal priesthood, all together, all the time. And that, I guess that's another thing. Like, I know there were actually people that were super disappointed that they couldn't come to conference because of life. But this isn't something you miss out on. This is for us now, everybody. Like, just because some people went, like, you know, um, getting into more Christian cliches, but, you know, people, some people get on, like, conference highs and they bounce around for a while and then it's all over. And like, you know, sometimes you just want that like conference buzz. This isn't that. Because Jesus is the center. And Jesus is right here and available for us. Just as it is in any other setting. Do you see what I'm getting at? You don't have to feel like you've missed out. You haven't missed out. And so, um, I'm only just getting going, guys. Um, I've got some words. I just put a gap here, and it just said words. And I was hoping that um, um, God would help me out a bit. And uh, I'm going to put it, I'm going to practice what I preach. And... um, So um, the first thing that really stuck out to me was I think there's people here and there's always people here that feel like this but again I feel like it's about calling it out there's people here that feel like it's over for them that they've had their little dash and that that was it that God's kind of done with them and that their time has been but that is a lie. That is not true. There's so much more for um, all of us. Um, Anna. I just put Anna. So now I've got a... Um, no. Um, I just feel like you're so... Um, and you've had this word o- over and over again, but I really thought to mention it again, that felt to say it again that your life is a model of like worship and that um, your passion for worshiping God is like infectious and like um, we in the worship team or me and the worship team are like really privileged to have you as like a leader and that I feel like there's still like way more to come way more to come, way more wisdom, way more like um, 
way more like um, relationship between what's going on up here and what's happening out there. Um, Andrew, um, I just felt to say that um, there's so much more influence to come with like what you're doing outside of um, church, like with your business or businesses or whatever it is, like that um, there's so much more expansion to come in terms of influence. And I don't know what that looks like, but I felt um, prompted to say that. Um, Joella. <laughs> Playing on her phone. This is my wife. Um, I felt like God was saying, like, um, peace is coming. And that will, I mean, I obviously know a lot about it. <laughs> But like um, peace is coming, and um, I also just felt to honour her at now, which is a strange thing to do. But um, I felt some of you just don't know like just how much Jolly does. She is a woman of like humongous capacity, like um, in terms of what she can get done, and. Um, she holds my family together in a special way and uh, um, she's, yeah, just an incredible woman, although a quiet one, so it can be hard to get to know her sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I also just felt as well to like lift the babies up because it's a um, tough time for them at the moment. And... Um, you know, that as a family, they've poured out their lives for us, really. Not for this building, not for um, anything other than, like, helping us out. And so um, I just really felt like to quickly pray for them as a family. Um, Lord, we just lift up the babies to you in this tough time. And... Um, my prayer is that they would experience your presence. And whatever, um, whatever comes, whatever happens, that they would experience your presence, Lord. And we um, just honour them today and lift them up. So, Matthew. Matthew 12, chapter 12, um, 15 to 21, we'll start with. And um, you'll see that it's really relevant. Jesus discovered the plots against him and left the district. Large crowds followed him and he healed them all, giving them strict instructions not to tell people about him. This was so that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet might come true. Look, and this is Isaiah, look, here's my servant whom I chose, my beloved one, my heart's delight, my spirit I will place on him, and he will announce true judgment to the whole wide world. He will not argue, 
nor will he lift up his voice and shout aloud. Nobody in the streets will hear his voice, and he will not break the damaged reed or snuff the guttering lamp until his judgment wins the day. The world will hope upon his name. There's so much um, noise at the moment. So much yelling and screaming, metaphorically, sometimes not, in the world at the moment. People are at each other's throats about what's right, what's wrong. You know what I'm talking about. So much to distract us. So many models of leadership that aren't Christ-like. How much can we see it in our like, workplaces and stuff like that where there's leadership that's not Christ-like? I know I see it. But Jesus' way was the upside-down, wrong way, up way. His kingdom is the upside-down kingdom. To use that awesome phrase from Dallas Willard, his things are in reverse. Well, not so much in reverse, but they jar heavily with what um, is valued in the world quite often. And so it can seem like an upside down sort of way of thinking. In fact, it can seem like lunacy when you're confronted with it sometimes in reality out there. But this passage from Isaiah is such an insight into Jesus' way. I know Jesus, he kind of had a, um, he had a purpose in fulfilling that scripture and that he was trying to stay on the down low because people were trying to kill him (laughs) or plotting against him. But if you look at the Gospels as a whole, this is an amazing insight into how Jesus functioned. Jesus is a servant. The king of the universe is a servant. Look, here's my servant serving the Father. He's the servant king. He's not yelling and screaming. I know Jesus is multidimensional. I know he stormed into the temple and did things like that. But if you look at it as a whole, he's not out there yelling and screaming at people, trying to coerce them into thinking a certain way. He's a gentle king, a servant king. He will not break the damaged reed. He will not snuff out that little light that you've got left. That's not how he functions. But yet the whole world will hope in his name. His kingdom is moving, not in the channels of human power that we want him to move sometimes, not in the palaces and the castles, but in the streets with normal people like you and me. Instead, 
Jesus did it. He didn't. He didn't come and go. Right. I'm straight off to talk to um, Herod, Caesar, and um, the Sanhedrin, like the religious authorities. He just started working with everybody that was around him. He'd just be walking along, and he'd see somebody, and he'd speak life and he- over them and heal them. It didn't mean what he said didn't have implications for those that were in authority, but he didn't seek that out as his first thing. He worked with people that were just immediately around him, and instantly he started spreading the kingdom. Right? Israel was looking for a mover and a shaker. A general, a great political leader, someone who was going to restore their mana on earth, to restore their power, to get rid of the foreign oppressor. And here's Jesus who won't snuff out that little candle that is working quietly amongst the people. Of course some of the people were like, what? What is this guy doing? He was confusing. Because his, his way of doing things are upside down. They aren't the way that like the world likes to work. And, and um, we, we grow, we've, even though the West is not... Um, Christian anymore to a large extent um, Christian values permeate every, everything the way that we think is being shaped by like this Christian influence it, 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 it's so present that it's invisible and the absolute madness of what Jesus had to offer is actually lost on us now because those those tropes have become like mainstream ideas that to care about like those that are oppressed, to show compassion to people that are weaker than you, for a God king to be crucified in the most humiliating way imaginable in the ancient world, people just thought it was absolute lunacy. You think it's hard to believe in Jesus now? In their context at that time, in the Hebrew and the Greek and the Roman Latin culture, these ideas were lunacy. That's why the ancient world is covered in these cartoons of mocking Christians and stuff. <laughs> a, a God king on a cross who saved us all. Because the models they had worshipped beauty and power. Their gods were concerned with the powerful and the rich. Compassion wasn't a natural state of things. And even the Hebrew culture, obviously in the scripture there was hints of this thing to come, but they had, they had largely been taken over by these ideas as well. They couldn't see it. They wa- even though it was in their scriptures, they wanted this powerful king who was going to come and destroy the Romans and what have you. 
But that's not the way Jesus works. His ways are not our ways. And I just, I'll just read this quote that really sums it up um, well by, um, again, N.T. Wright. He's, he's really good. <laughs> um, the nations, and alas, Israel as well, as becomes clear in Matthew's story, are bent on violence and arrogances. Those who want peace and who work for it are always, in the end, sheltered down that by those who want more money, more land, more security, more status, and are prepared to fight and kill to get it. Those who are great and mighty in the world's terms make sure their voices are heard in the streets. Those who shout the loudest get obeyed the soonest. But that's not the servant's way. So too, those that want to get ahead in this world tend to push others out of the way. If they see a weak link, a rod that's bent and could break, a candle that's almost gone out, they will trample it without a thought. That's not the servant's way. The nations are used to arrogance. He is the servant who is the very opposite. He is the one shining light, the one hopeful sign. People struggle to see it. We don't see it sometimes, right in front of us, how amazing this person of Jesus was and is. And it was, this is what's happening in the story. People are struggling to see it. And so I'll continue. They brought to Jesus a man who was possessed by a demon that made him unable to see or speak. Jesus healed him so that the sick man was able to talk and see. All the crowds were astonished. He can't be the son of David, can he? They said. So some people could see it. Some people could see that maybe this guy was the new way of doing things. Maybe this guy is the son of David. But some people couldn't see it. The Pharisees heard this. The fellow can only cast out demons, they said, because he's in league with Belzebu. I practice saying that, and now I can't. He's in league with the devil. <laughs> Belzebub. Belzebub. Bel. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say, though, eh? Yeah, nice. Thank you. I'm not going to say it again, though. Um, the prince of demons. And this um, word was like um, almost like a slang word that people had come up with in um, Jesus' time for the devil. Um, Jesus knew their thoughts. Suppose a kingdom is split down the middle, he said to them. I'll go to rack and ruin. If a city or a household is split down the middle, it's doomed. And if Satan drives out the Satan, he's split down the middle. So how can his kingdom stay standing? He's just pointing out the... Um, the illogic nature of what they're saying. Why would one, why would a principality be working against itself? 
What's more, if I cast out demons by Satan's power, whose power are your people in league with when they cast them out? Because there were people at that time that also um, cast out demons. So who, who, who's helping them out? Yes, they'll tell you what's what. E.g., they'll say, no, we're not in league with Satan. We're doing God's work. But if, I, if I'm casting out demons because I'm in league with God's spirit, well then, God's kingdom has arrived on your doorstep. They're not seeing it. And Jesus is saying, look, God's kingdom is right here, right now, right in front of you. Look at it like this. Suppose you want to break into a strong man's house and steal his belongings. How are you going to do this unless you first tie up the strong man? Then you can plunder his house to your heart's content. If you're not with me, you're against me. Unless you're gathering the flock with me, you're scattering it. Let me tell you this. People will be forgiven for every sin and blasphemy. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. If anyone speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven. But if anyone speaks a word against the Holy Spirit, it won't be forgiven, either in the present age or the age to come. Um, this tricky little passage, and um, I've heard so many bizarre like teachings about this, to be honest. But I actually think it's quite straightforward. It's not like this um, really big thing to be afraid of or anything like that. All that God is really, um, Jesus is really saying is that don't miss it. Don't miss what's right in front of you. Don't miss the kingdom that I am presenting right now, right in front of you, doing all these things that I'm doing. Don't misinterpret the signs. You can't be forgiven if you deny who can forgive. If you're worried about, I remember as a young kid growing up in the church, like eight or nine or ten, I read that and I was like, maybe I've committed the unforgivable sin. Maybe I'm out for good. If you're worried about it, chances are you have not committed the unforgivable sin. All it's saying is, is if, if you're thirsty and there's a cup of water there and you say, I don't believe in that cup of water and I'm going to walk away from it, you're going to be thirsty, right? You're going to be unforgiven. That's how I see it anyway. Jesus could forgive the Pharisees. He does forgive the Pharisees. He forgives Paul. He forgives everybody that comes to him. But if you don't come to him, you can't be forgiven. Jesus continued. You must make up your mind between two possibilities. Either the tree is good, in which case its fruit is good, or the tree is bad in which case the fruit is bad. 
You can tell a tree by its fruits, after all. Oh, wait. Oh, no, I've, chucked, I've cut a bit off. They asked for a sign. Oh, no, that's coming. Sorry, I've got it right. <laughs> I thought they asked for the sign first, and then he says this, but they're about to ask for the sign. So you've got a choice. It's either good or bad. It's right in front of you. I'm healing people. I'm casting out demons. It's quite obviously good. But you've got a choice to make. It's either a good tree or a bad tree. You decide. You're a family of snakes. Woo! How can you say good things when you're bad inside? What mouth speaks, what the mouth speaks is what fills the heart. Ooh, that hurts. That hurts. Because I say silly things. But there, there's Jesus saying that. A good person produces good things from a good storeroom. An evil person produces evil things from an evil storeroom. Again, you've got the choice right in front of you. I'm either good or bad. And so he finishes that little talk and then they go, Teacher, responded some of the scribes and Pharisees. We would like to see a sign from you. So they're still at the ask. He said, you've got this choice. And then they're like, yeah, but I, I would like another sign. It's really another sign, right? Because he's just been healing people. He's healed everybody he's seen. He's just cast out a demon where somebody couldn't hear and see right in front of them. And then they're like, oh, I think I need a sign. So they're not seeing it, right? They're not seeing what's right in front of them. And that's why he starts talking about signs, the sign of Jonah. They wanted a different sign than he was giving them. Maybe they will, yeah, maybe they wanted um, some sort of um, political sign or or authority sign, but he, that's not what the sign he was giving, and they didn't see the sign. And Jesus carries on, this wicked and immoral generation is looking for a sign. And I guess when I've always read this story, I've taken it way out of context of what was happening, and thought, God doesn't want to give signs like that you have to blindly believe. But clearly, Jesus has already given lots of signs. He's not like, it's not like a faith test to believe in what you can't see. He's already given the signs. They're right in front of the people. But they're asking for a different sign or another sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Jonah, you see was in the stomach of the sea monster for three days and nights, and the same way the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment along with this generation and will condemn it. They, after all, repented when they heard Jonah's warnings. They saw the sign. And in case you hadn't noticed, something greater 
than Jonah is here. And you're not seeing the sign. The queen of the south will be raised at the judgment with the gener- this generation and will condemn it. She, after all, came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And in case you hadn't noticed, ah, you're not seeing it, something greater than Solomon is here. You're not seeing it. These are warnings to us and the people at the time that we can miss what's right in front of us. For us, it's not so much like they were going to miss salvation or anything like that. Or miss, you know, it's like, are we going to um, see everything that the kingdom has to offer when it's right in front of us? Not all mystical and magical what's offered to us right in front of our eyes. And we've all seen the amazing things. But speaking for myself, I can stop seeing it. I can stop seeing it easy as. I can, stop, I can start writing things off as coincidence of, or whatever else. And I can stop seeing it. When people are getting prayed for up the front or in their seats or whatever, I can minimize that and I cannot see it as the kingdom moving. And these stories would have hurt the Pharisees because they're outsiders. They're not Jews. Not only that, Nineveh is the heart of this huge oppressive empire that was their enemies. That's what's amazing about the story of Jonah. He wasn't, that's why he was so reluctant. He was like, I'm not going to like my biggest possible enemies to tell them to repent. I think that's a bad idea. Not only that, I don't really want them to repent because they're nasty, horrible people. But they did. They saw the sign and some of those people in Nineveh repented. And the Pharisees, that would have hurt the Pharisees to hear that. So, it's about recentering. It's about not missing what's right in front of us all the time. The wonder that is this kingdom, this quiet kingdom, with this um, servant king who is at once incredibly powerful but won't snuff out that little light that you've got left. He won't break you when you're down. As James was saying the other week, his burden is light. I don't want to make it about everything else. Not a religion, not like whose theology is the best. Not about rules and systems and organizations. It's always about this person of Jesus who's right here now walking amongst us. Spirit's here. I don't want to be distracted by my own agendas and my own stuff that so easily gets in the way of this. I'm hoping I'm not alone, that I'm a very easily distracted person from what's important.
And so, I know I've gone for a while, but I, I really feel like we should have a bit of a um, ministry time at where we kind of strip away um, the nonsense and just pray for each other. Maybe we could get into um, some smaller groups and what I want you to practice is just like looking, looking into somebody and rather than like, um, oh, it's hard to explain, just call them out to who they're supposed to be. Call that person out and confirm who they are in Jesus. It's not rocket science. You don't have to try really hard to get that word into your head that um, is the one that you think is from God. We actually know each other well enough where I reckon you can just start calling this stuff out. Call it out. Encourage people. So yeah, let's Let's, um, if you don't want to, that's fine. You don't have to do anything. If you just want to go have a coffee, go have a coffee. But if you want to um, just get into um, little groups of maybe four or five and just spend a little bit of time praying for each other and ministering to each other and just be open to what might happen. Okay?